you for the word of God. And we thank you, Father, for granting us the privilege of studying your word. Uh, we depend upon the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, who lives in us, who leads us and guides us in all truth, shows us things to come. And so, Father, we thank you that as we study your word and open up your word, that you will uh, be there with us to teach us and grant unto us revelation, knowledge, insight, wisdom into your word, and also how to apply that word to our individual lives. And so we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians. And so um, we are moving right along in the book of Philippians, right? We are already up to chapter to verse 11 or verse 10. Um, and so we've only been here, what, three months or so? I forget how long. When did we? Anybody? Jared, when did we start the book of Philippians at? Do you know? Or oh, you've got the list there, Chris, don't you? So, but we're not in any hurry to get anywhere, right? So, <clears throat> you got anywhere you got to be right now? You don't, have to, you don't have to go anywhere right now, so we'll, we'll just take our time and get through it, amen? So, of course, we know the book of Philippians is a small book. It's only four chapters, and so, um, uh, but uh, we talked about how uh, the, the church at Philippi was, Paul was really fond of this particular church. He said that they'd been with him from the very beginning, uh, and so they developed a relationship over many years, and you find out, he sprinkles out throughout the whole book of Philippians how many times they supported him and how they supported him, both in prayer and in, in financial, financial support. Uh, and that this relationship started with a vision in the book of Acts, right? With a vision when the man appeared to him in a vision. It said, come help us in Macedonia, which is where Philippi is located as a, as a city. Uh, and, so, and so Paul went. Uh, and, um, and so... Uh, that started a, a really a lifelong relationship with this particular church here. So you find that there's this book overall is a very positive book to the Philippians. He, uh, he does on occasion, you know, tell them some things that they can straighten up, you know, which is, you know, always helpful. But um, um, but for the most part, it's, it's a very um, uh, joyful book, right? It's a book that uh, Paul writes with great love and, and uh, admiration for this church that has supported him all of these years. Uh, and so and you, you can hear that. And so one of the things that, that I encourage you, of course, we're getting close to the end of the year is uh, um, every year we, we put out, you know, the Bible reading schedule. And I would encourage you, you know, if, if you don't have a schedule, of course, there's you can get them online. You get them if you have a Bible app on your phone or your or your computer or whatever. You can follow those as well. Uh, but I encourage everybody, you know, read the whole New Testament at least once a year. And if you read like five chapters a week and get through the entire uh, the entire New Testament uh, in a year, right? So that's really not much. Five chapters a week is less than one chapter um, uh, uh, a day, right? And of course, if you read 10 chapters a day, you could get through the whole New Testament in a month, right? So uh, if you're really the A student, you know, that's what you do, right? But um, uh, we're not going to put any pressure on anybody. But I would encourage you to do that because when you read a, a Bible book all the way through, you really get the flavor for that book. You know, what's the tone that Paul uh, is uh, is trying to get across, you know, in the epistles. Uh, and, of course, we study the book of Galatians, for example. In the whole book of Galatians, Paul, you can hear his desperation in, uh, in warning, and, and, and it's not so much fear, but he, he has a lot of, uh, uh, of um, uh, concern for the church of Galatia that they're going to go back to being Jews, right? They're going to go back to uh, following the law and kind of backslide away from faith and grace and go back into, into legalism. And the whole book has got that tone in it. You can hear Paul, you know, foolish Galatians, right? Who hath bewitched you? Uh, and so, uh, so it's good to read. A, a, and of course, uh, if you really sat down, you could read the entire book of Philippians in, in less than an hour. Uh, it's really not that long of a book. Uh, you could read the whole book of Galatians, you know, in probably less than an hour. And, and so a lot of the epistles, uh, you know, when you get to Romans, and it's got 16 chapters, you know, it might take you, uh, it might take you a whole hour to read so it really doesn't take long, especially to read the New Testament. Uh, of course, the Gospels are about, a, if you read the whole Gospels, they're about a third of the whole New Testament as far as the content goes. So by the time you get done with John, you're already a third of the way through the, uh, the New Testament. So because it's got a lot of content in there. And so but uh, it's a good thing to do. Right. And, and uh, from, from my perspective, just knowing what the word says, that there's no there's no replacement for reading the word. You know, attending church is great. And you should attend church, you know, uh, watching TV programs are fine, you know, listening to other ministers preach and teach. Uh, but there's really at the end of the day, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word, of God. The word right? And so there's really if you want to grow in faith, uh, you can't grow in faith by praying more. You can't grow in faith by attending church more. 
You can only grow in faith by having the word in your life more. Uh, and so that's uh, so around here, we elevate the value of the word of God. We want to elevate the value of the word of God in your life because all of your answers of uh, if it's true that the Lord delivers you out of all afflictions, that will only come by your faith in that verse. Right. And so if you believe that verse, then you can live a life where you're where you are, are delivered from all afflictions. Uh, but you have to choose to believe it. Right. And so uh, and so, I th- you know, I think you can do that. Right. Uh, it's uh, it's really just believing what the word says. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, so we're here uh, in Philippians chapter one there, and we got down to uh, verse 10. And, and really, I want to start in verse nine, because nine, 10 and 11 are really a prayer that Paul is praying for the church at Philippi. So this is his prayer uh, for them. It says in and, and verse nine, and this I pray that your love may abound. So we talked about how that means superabound, And that word love there is agape love. Right. So it's a God kind of love. So Paul's desire, his prayer for the church is that they would superabound in the agape love of God. And then everything else follows from, from verse 9, 10, and 11. Everything is wrapped around that, that increasing of love in your life. Uh, and so, you know, the love of God is the greatest, you know, it's the first fruit of the Spirit that Galatians chapter 5 talks about. But it's the greatest thing that you can develop in your life because everything's going to flow from that love. So we know Galatians 5, 6 says that faith works by love. So a lot of times... You know, of course, we elevate the word of God and, and um, the value of the word of God. But sometimes faith, people's faith is not working the way they want it to work. And well, I know the Bible. I know what the Bible says. So, you know, a lot of times if it's if it's not due to a lack of word, it may be due to a lack of love. So you may know the Bible, but if you're not doing the Bible by love, that may still be a hindrance to your life. Right. So you may not be able to effectively obtain the promises that you know belong to you, that you believe, that you see them in the word of God and, and you have no problem with that they're being true. But sometimes you struggle with with um, with receiving those promises and living in those promises. Uh, and so sometimes it's not always the case, right? Because there's no there's no law that says here's why everybody fails. But if you're struggling, that's a good place to look is are you super abounding in the love of God? Amen. And we talked about how the world tries to define what love is to the church that the world wants to define that love from the church's perspective is acceptance and approval. Well, that's not the love of God, right? We don't accept people's sin. We don't accept people's lifestyles. We don't, you know, we accept them to come into the church, of course, but we don't accept their sin that comes along with them, right? And so, uh, no, we don't condemn it. We don't beat up and we don't, uh, you know, uh, belittle people for their sin. Uh, but uh, the love of God, uh, the true love of God always wants the best for everybody defined by the word of God in himself, not by the way the world defines it. Right. So the best for people is not walk in sin. Right. Wouldn't that be the best for everybody? Because sin and death always go together. So anybody that's in sin is playing around in death and it may not be physical death. You know, the Bible talks about at least three different types of death. You've got spiritual death, which is separation from the life of God. You've got physical death, which is the ending of your natural life. But you also have death, which is lack of spiritual power. And the New Testament talks about how in the context of talking about women, you know, silly women, you know, uh, and, and um, uh, there's probably silly men, too. Right. It's not a law that only women can be silly. But uh, but they talk about how they're they're in death and but they're Christians. And if you look it up, the word that word death means without power. And so a lot of the church is living in death. They still go to heaven. Right. They're, they're, they may not die young, but they're living without the power of God. Uh, and so. Uh, that's a terrible place to live, right? So living without the power of God means that you're subject to whatever comes your way and you have no power to overcome it. Uh, and a lot of the churches live in that, right? right? Every disease comes, every, oh, yeah, I'm always the first one to get it. You know, that's me, yeah, I'm, that's me right there. And oh, yeah, I'm always broke, you know. And it seems like everything is like sand through their fingers. They can't hold on any blessings. And uh, well, that's really living in death, right? That's living in a position where there's no power in your life. Uh, and so the, the Lord desires for us to live in power. Uh, and one of the greatest ways to do that is to develop the true love of God, the agape love of God in your life. And so Paul is praying that I that your love may abound, may superabound. And so if Paul is praying for that, then that's something that we can apply our faith to. Well, Lord, if he prayed that, then I can have that. If Paul prayed that for the church, then you're part of the church, right? Uh, you not, may not be part of the church at Philippi, but you are part of the church. And this epistle was written to specifically the church at Philippi, but to the church in general. And so this applies to your life, that you have the capacity to walk in in, in the superabounding love of God. Uh, and, um, 
you know, I, I, I was talking to someone just recently about uh, their love walk and say, well, you know, I, I, um, I can't do this anymore, whatever, whatever. You know, people say I can't do things anymore. And I said, well, let me encourage you that uh, be careful about what you say, because oftentimes we say things that are in conflict with the word of God. Because if you say I can't, I can't love them. I can't forgive them. Then really what you're saying by that, you're saying is that the love of God that we know, according to Romans 5, 5, is shed abroad in my hearts and according to Philippians 1, 9, can superabound in my life. It's not sufficient. So now my words are in conflict with the Bible, right? Because if I say I can't, that means that that whatever God has done in my life as a Christian, it's it's not sufficient for me to overcome my circumstance. Well, that means that uh, somebody's in disagreement, right? Either the Lord didn't mean what he said or um, we're in conflict with the word. Well, the, the obvious answer is we're in conflict with the word, right? Uh, and so so many times people say things uh, yeah, and a lot of it's just lack of training, lack of walking in faith, lack of knowing what the word says. But we're so used to kind of living like the world and living like just kind of natural people that we say things that are in direct conflict with the word of God. Because if the, if the love of God is shed abroad in your, in your hearts, which it is, right? Romans 5, 5 says that the agape love of God is shed abroad in your hearts. And Galatians chapter 5 says that love is a fruit of the spirit so you can develop more love in your life. And Paul said that you can superabound in love. So if all of those things are true, it can't possibly be true that, that technically that you can't do something. You can't, you can't love, you can't forgive, you can't, you know, be kind to somebody. I just, you know, I just, you know, uh, they make me mad, right? Don't you love that one? They make me mad, you know. Uh, my pastor used to, uh, you know, I learned a lot about things like that because I used to be one of those people that, oh, yeah, they make me mad. And the great thing about saying that they made you mad is you're not responsible for any of your actions, right? Somebody else is at fault, right? But the problem is, who does that sound like? Who was the first one to do this right here when it came to sin? It was Adam, right? Remember, God came to Adam and said, you know, uh, who told you that he's naked? And what did the first thing Adam do? It was Eve, right? And so who was the second person to do this? Eve, right? Because he went to Eve and, 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 and uh, he said, uh, what'd you do? And she said, it was a serpent. And so, you know, and the problem is he went to the third one and, and the, the, the serpent looked around like, man, I'm running out of people to point fingers at, you know. And so he did, couldn't point fingers at nobody. So the Lord dealt with the serpent first, dealt with Eve second and dealt with Adam third. Right. But see, uh, we're so used to now. That's the way I grew up. Didn't you grow up that way? It's everybody else's fault. Right. Well, they made me mad. But technically, nobody makes you mad. You choose to be mad. Right. Nobody makes you mad. And so. You know, I want, to, I want to say things that line up with the Word of God, right? I want to say things that, that, that are in agreement with the Word. So, you know, the way that I would say it uh, is honest. It's still, we still need work in our life, but the way I would say it is, I chose to be mad. Now, see, that's, that's still, you've got to work on the, 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 your choice there, but see, if you say that I chose to get mad because somebody said something, see, then that means that you can change it, right? That means you can do something about it. If it's their fault, you've got nothing to do. And you're going to be stuck in being who you are the rest of your life. Well, I don't want to be who I am the rest of my life. Don't you want to be better? Uh, you know, I want, to be, I want to be a better person five years from now than I am today. I want to know more of the word. I want to know more of the spirit. I want, to, I want to know more revelation. I want to know more of who the Lord is in my life. I want to be the person. When I read the word of God, I want to be that person, right? When Paul says that you may superabound in love, I want to be the person who superabounds in love. I don't want to be the person who says, nobody can live that way. Yeah, it's such a, you know, that's such a, it's such a cop-out. It's such a, uh, it's such a uh, um, giving up, you know, uh, uh, and maybe, you know, uh, we all have paths that we follow, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'm the youngest of 11, and, and I thank God that I'm the youngest of 11, because being the youngest of 11, I was basically in Army boot camp most of my growing up years, right? You know, picked on and beat, uh, uh, anybody ever played pig pile? When you got 11 kids in your family, you play pig pile, right? And the way we played pig pile was because uh, uh, we didn't do anything, right? We, we were, uh, had 11 kids, and we had no money, so we didn't go anywhere. All we did was, you know, we played games, and we did things, you know, uh, in the family. And so we'd be outside just playing in, in the yard, and somebody would say, pig pile on chip. And then they all jump on you. That's the game, right? It's a terrible game, right? But they just jump on you. And then, you know, you got to scream and holler, you're dying and you, you're suffocating and, and you probably could because, I mean, you get six or seven brothers and sisters jumping on you, you know, and, and they all, you know, of course, all the people on top thinks it's funny, 
people on the bottom will think it's so funny, right? Uh, but, um, uh, but, you know, in, in all of the years growing up, one of the things that uh, there was just kind of built into me that I'm just, I don't, I don't like to quit. Uh, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll take things way past long that I have to, but I just hate to quit. I hate to quit anything. And, you know, for my kids, uh, one thing we taught them is if you commit to something, you can't quit. Now, if there's, if there's some extenuating circumstances, you know, that, that's fine. But, you know, if they were playing sports and, uh, and they signed up to play sports, and, you know, that's just, it's too much running. It's like, no, you signed up. You've got to finish this season. You know, you can, don't have to come back next season, but you can't just quit in the middle of the season. You know, now if the, you know, if the coach was abusive or, you know, there's some extenuating, you know, we're not going to make a law that's going to keep our kids in, a, in an unsafe situation. But, uh, but I always want to instill in my kids to not quit because, um, I just, I just hate to quit. And, and, and saying things like, uh, they made me mad. It's really quitting. It says that, you know, nothing is my fault. Uh, and, and I understand there's a balance of, you know, you, you, some people's personalities is they beat themselves up all the time. I'm such a sorry person. I'm no count. I'm worthless, you know. Uh, and if you think that, we've got a, a free uh, book over there called In Him, where there's 200 verses all about who you are in Christ, right? Who you are in the Lord, what the Lord Jesus has done for you. Uh, and, uh, and if that's not enough, if you go onto a website, we've got, we took that same, uh, the same 200 verses and we went through about 400 translations of the Bible and we put, you know, hundreds of, of verses, uh, different translations along with those verses. So, uh, because at the end of that, you should get to a point where you can declare by faith, I'm a child of God. Uh, a king died for me. Uh, I've been blessed in heaven. I'm on my way to heaven. My eternal destiny is with the Lord Jesus. Uh, and, and so... You know, I never think bad about myself uh, because I know who the Lord has made me. I'm a child of God. Uh, and, and I'm sure you're no different than me. You've had plenty of people try to make you feel bad. You know, you're a sorry individual. You're no count. You're worthless. And, and anymore, when people do that, I think, you know, that can't be so because a king shed blood for me. He died for me. How can I be worthless? You know, uh, we talked about that song we sang, the Christmas carol, the Christmas song. What, uh, that, uh, 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 what was the line that I... My, yeah, my soul felt its worth. See, when you're really saved, you can feel the worth. My, my, I, must be in a, I must be so important that a king would come to earth for me. So that, just, that just makes me feel, it makes me feel good right now just thinking that a king came for my soul, me personally. So it's really hard for people to make me feel bad about me. Uh, and if it's hard for people to make me feel bad about me, it's hard for the devil to make me feel bad about me. So I just don't ever think bad about myself, right? I, you know, I do, you know, I do get on myself on occasion when I realize I've messed up, you know, and those types of things, which is kind of normal part of living. But, but just, you know, some people just wake up thinking, I'm a sorry person. I'm no count. I'm no value. That is not true. It's not true for any human being on the earth, right? And so Paul said, uh, his prayer starts out, I pray, my desire for you is that, you, is that your agape love, the, the God kind of love in you may superabound uh, more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So we talked, uh, talked about that. Uh, and he said in, in verse 10, uh, that you may approve things that are excellent, right? Test things which are superior is what he's saying there, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. So he's saying, that, you know, that we have the ability to test things to see if they're superior, to see if they're going to add value to our life. And he said, we, we have that ability to look at, a, at a people, circumstances, jobs, whatever is there in front of us. Can we look at that and say, that is, that is an excellent thing for my life. That's going to add to my life. And he says, you have that ability to do that because of the love of God living in you. So it's not because of your intelligence. It's not because, you know, you made a spreadsheet and you put all the pros over here and all the cons over here. And you know, okay, that's good, you know. Uh, but, you know, what do you do when they're both good choices? Right. What do you do when you have choice A and choice B? And they're both good, right? They're not bad. They're both good. So what do you do? Well, the love of God in you can look at that and go, this one is excellent for you. This one over here, not so much, right? This one is going to be, you can test that and, and look at that uh, and know that that's the right choice for you, right? Uh, and so, and that's, that's part of the fruit of walking in love. And that's what Paul said, right? Be, because you walk in love, now you have the ability that you can test all things that excellent that, that, that you may be sincere and without, without offense to the day of Christ. Uh, and we haven't talked about sincere part, but we talked a little bit about offense last week about how uh, that we don't want to, this is talking about you personally, right? 
not that you get offended, but that you're not doing anything that causes offense. And it's really talking about in the context with your relationship to the Lord, right? That you may be without offense to the day of Christ. So that you've not done anything to offend the Lord or cause offense between you and the Lord all the days of your life. It wouldn't it be nice to live that way, right? Where, where you're not causing offense between you and the Lord all the days of your life. And you know, there are Christians will say, well, you can't live that way. But Paul prayed that we could, right? Uh, and, you know, one of the things about the love of God that if you develop that in your life, the love of God gives you the ability to perceive yourself uh, in all the imperfections uh, and even perceive all the people around you with, with all their imperfections without judgment, without condemnation, right? Without, without saying, well, you're worthless and sorry, no count. But the love of God can, can show you, you know, hey, there's things that, that you can improve upon uh, and get better, right? Because if you go over to um, just to the book of Jude, <clears throat> so that's just, just right before uh, the book of Revelation, right? And he says here, uh, of course, this is Jude that wrote this book, uh, but he says in, in verse 24, he said, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. So he says that, that you have the capacity to never fall, right? To keep you from falling. So if, if that's true, then we as Christians have the capacity to never fall again, right? Now, I know you go over to 1 John, it says, you know, he who says he's without sin is a liar, right? You know, sometimes, um, I think someone said one time that uh, uh, the thing I'm most proud of is my humility, right? <laughs> someone said that. I mean, you know, uh, uh, there, there, uh, sometimes we can kind of act like, well, we never do anything wrong, right? Um, but, you know, people who uh, really don't do anything wrong would never really say they never do anything wrong, right? Uh, because can you be better? You can always be better, all right? all right? Do you look exactly like the Lord Jesus yet? Do you talk exactly like the Lord Jesus yet? Well, if you don't, then there's places for you to improve, right? And so that's really where you want to be is I know exactly where I am, but I know exactly where I'm headed, right? I'm going to get better tomorrow. I'm going to quit allowing this thing to control my life, you know, whatever this thing is, right? And you're going to have the victory over that thing. Uh, and sometimes it's your emotions. Sometimes it's, you know, your past or habits or whatever it is. Uh, but you don't ever quit. Um, and so... So Paul said that we can superbound and we have the capacity to live a life without offense all the way until the Lord Jesus comes back to the day of Christ, either till he comes back or till we see him when we leave this earth, right? Uh, and again, that's the fruit of walking in the agape love of God. Uh, now, when I read these verses, see, it, it, builds, uh, it, it builds a hope in me. Uh, Lord, my life can be, if I can live this way, my life's got to be better, right? Uh, this has got to be a better way to live without offense with between me and you at all, all the days of my life. That's surely a better way to live than uh, sin and repent, sin and repent, sin and repent. Uh, and, and I know, the Lord, is the Lord forgivable? He, he is, he is uh, full of forgiveness, right? Is he merciful? He's absolutely merciful, right? But still, you know, every time we have to draw upon the bank of mercy, uh, we're not progressing, right? Uh, until, we, until we receive the mercy of forgiveness, because it's a mercy, right? The Lord didn't have to do it. He chose to do it. But... Um, uh, but in that moment, from the from the time that we commit whatever sin or infraction that caused us to require uh, forgiveness, then we're not progressing in our spiritual walk. Right. We've got to fix that thing. Right. Uh, and so that's another whole discussion. But uh, but we want to we want to live to the uh, when I read this, verse, I want to live to the fullness of this verse. I want to Lord, can I really live this way and have the capacity to prove and test all things that are excellent for my life? and uh, live an entire life without offense to you. And wouldn't it be nice to live that way? Well, we can, because he said that we could, right? If he said we can, then we can. But until we, until we empower this verse by faith and believe that we can live this way, it's just power sitting on a shelf. Uh, and, and how many verses are full of power sitting on a shelf? And, and we've not pulled them down and applied them to our life because uh, everything you're going to receive from the Lord is going to come by your faith in that word. Uh, you know, if you look at the, the life of the Christian, there's very few things that the Lord does sovereignly for us. Uh, now, he can. He can do anything sovereignly he wants to as long as, you know, we have the covenant agreement with him. Uh, and so we appreciate that. But very few promises in the, in the Bible are based upon God's sovereignty doing something for you without you asking him, right? Because even forgiveness, right? Uh, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, 
then he does what? He's faithful and just to forgive our sins, right? So is there any action required on my part to receive the forgiveness? Well, sure, I've got to confess my sins. So what if I don't forgive, forgive, confess my sins? Then the forgiveness for that sin is not, is not uh, received, right? Now, when did he forgive us our sins? At the cross, right? So he forgave our sins at the cross 2,000 years ago. So now uh, we just have to do the receiving on that. But there's still part, our part to play, amen? And most, of the, most promises in the word of God uh, require action on our part in order for us to receive them, amen? Uh, very few promises of the word of God say, do nothing and, you, and just, you know, you'll get everything, right? Uh, if you remember the covenant with Abraham, the first covenant that God made with man after the fall uh, of Adam and Eve, Remember, the Lord came to Abraham and said, Abraham, uh, if you'll do what I say, then all these things will happen. Right. He said, I'll bless you. You know, I'll bless, uh, I'll bless you. You know, you'll be the father of many children, uh, father of many nations. Right. Uh, and uh, I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. Of course, it's Old Testament. Right. But uh, but he and, and he reiterated that. He told him in, in Genesis chapter 12. He reiterated and expanded it in Genesis chapter 17. And he said, all you have to do is say yes. Well, what if he never said yes? What if he didn't do his part? Then there never would have been a covenant of Abraham, right? There never would have, we would not be children of Abraham. We would be children of Bob or Fred or Joe, right? Whoever those are that somebody that would have received the covenant. So until Abraham chose to receive it, uh, the Lord, he couldn't establish a covenant, right? Because a covenant requires a party of two, right? It's not just a, a sovereign covenant. It's a covenant that, that a greater one made with a lesser one, the Lord God made with Abraham, and Abraham had to do his part to receive the covenant. And what you'll find is, is, as you study the word of God is the vast majority of the promises, someone said there's, uh, what, 7,000 promises in the Bible? I don't know if that's true or not. I'm, uh, you know, I mean, that sounds like a pretty good number. There's, I know there's 31,000 verses in the, in the Bible, so that means there's one verse every four, uh, one promise every four verses or so. Uh, and so... Uh, I mean, you know, how do you how do you define what a promise is? You know, I don't know, you know, but um, and in fact, I think I told you I, I was going through a bookstore. I like looking for old Bible translations and stuff. And I found this big book is like a full size, you know, big book like this. All the promises in the Bible. That's that's awesome. Right. All the man. Somebody put a lot of work into that. It's so always flipped through, you know, well, let's go see what they say about Acts chapter four. Right? I mean, Acts chapter two. Right. But the promise of the Holy Spirit. Right. This promise is unto you and to your generations. Right. And all to those that are far, it's, this promise is to you, to your children, and to all those that are far off, right? That's what Acts 2.39 says about the Holy Spirit. That's a promise. I mean, it literally says the promise, right? It wasn't in there. And so I, I kind of took my Sharpie and marked it out. It said most of the promises of the Bible, right? Because it really wasn't all the promises. So you can always tell the, the kind of the, the flavor that people, are when they write books like that, you know, do, do they include the Holy Spirit's part of it? Uh, and so... But see, this is a promise. This is a promise that we can live. We have the capacity to live a life without offense to the Lord. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and then he also said that we can li live a life that may be sincere uh, and without offense. And so I, w I wanted to um, uh, just took, take a little bit of time and talk about uh, the word sincere here because um, this, is, this is something that was, uh, has been you know, really kind of valuable to me uh, in, in my particular life. Uh, now, this, this particular word sincere here means to be judged by sunlight, you know. And so, in other words, we're transparent, right? Uh, that, uh, um, that we've been tested to be genuine and pure and sincere uh, from the Lord, right? We don't judge each other, but the Lord, the Lord does check up on us on a regular basis. Uh, so we can live a lives that, that are sincere. But, you know, the Bible has really got a lot to say about the, the word sincere. And oftentimes it uses the word unfeigned. Right. When was the last time you used the word unfeigned in a conversation? Right. The King James uses unfeigned. Different translations will use different words. Um, but I want to look at just a couple of uh, verses about this. So let's let's look at Second um, uh, Corinthians chapter six here. You know, one of the things in the church that we're kind of, you know, the, the church. Um, uh, kind of the, the, the church way of doing things, right? Uh, it's the tradition. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of taught that we're supposed to be happy and nice people, right? You smile and shake your hands and, you know, be cordial. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, we don't really mean it. You know what I'm saying? We say the words, you know, 
uh, like, how you doing, right? Uh, and, of course, every now and then we, we know who we can say that to and who we can't, right? Because sometimes you say, how you doing? And they, they, they back up the dump truck on you and, and they tell you everything that's gone on since they were a child, right? Uh, and uh, I talked to a guy the other day, you know, I said, hey, didn't you own that business over there? And then the next hour, he told me the entire genesis of the business. So if you'd like to, I'd be, be glad to pay you know, all the details about how he started it, right? And his finances he did. And then, you know, how, it, you know, how he had to bootstrap it, you know, and how, you know, the government changed the regulations for, for diesel engines and it cost him a 30% increase. And you know, I mean, I just asked him if he owned the business. It was really a yes or no question, right? Uh, and so, you know, sometimes you got to be careful who you ask questions of, right? Uh, and so... One of the things that the Lord started working on me years ago was was my sincerity, because I observed just in my life, it's really easy to kind of get into that that church rut about, you know, how you doing? You know, you shake your hands and then you leave. It's like, I really don't care how you doing, you know, uh, uh, you know, I asked you that, but I, I don't really I don't really want an answer. Right. Because, uh, you know, I told you we were we were helping this minister. She was a, a she came to the local uh, hotel that we were at in Putnam County and she'd asked our church if we'd help ushering and things and so we we were helping ushering and uh, and so she had a prayer line for for healing and stuff and so uh, she got to this one fella and she said what's wrong with you and again some people you got to be careful asking that question right I mean he had a list right it was like an encyclopedia you know from when he was a child all these things I mean there's a long list of all these things that was wrong with him right uh, and, um, you know, some people, they kind of relish in their sickness, right? It's, it's, it's like a pet to them, right? And, and, and they're, they're almost, some people are almost proud of their sickness. Oh, yeah, I got this. You know, I got that, you know. What do you have? Sorry, I don't have anything. I'm just terribly healthy, you know. Uh, and so, so she went through the whole, and so he went through the whole, and so there was really, she kind of felt awkward praying for him. She did, you know, but, you know, sometimes it's, you just kind of, you go through the motions and, and so she went to the next guy. She said, what's, what's wrong with you? And he said, well, after hearing him, nothing's wrong with me, you know. And so um, it, it's, uh, um, uh, you know, so you got to be careful sometimes who you ask the questions of, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the thing is, you know, you should ask the question, how are you doing, you know, if you really mean it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and uh, you've got to be uh, aware of your own life in when, you, when you're talking to somebody, you know, do you really mean what you're saying, right? When you, when you, and that's what sincerity means, right? It means, you know, being without uh, hypocrisy. Because uh, if you're just saying, how are you doing? You don't really want to know. And I, I know sometimes just in polite society, it's fine to do that, right? But if, if that's all you ever do to people, then you're never really being sincere, right? I know sometimes, you know, just, uh, just in casual conversations, you say that. So I'm not trying to be judgmental, you know, be the confession police and make sure you say all these things. Uh, but the thing that would help the church is to learn how to be really sincere. Uh, and, and so years ago, the Lord started dealing with me personally about that. And it's always been really valuable to me because my, my personality is one that I would be happy being locked up in that office for days and weeks at a time. Right. I mean, just, you know, uh, when I retired from my engineering career, I did started doing software development, you know, uh, uh, and that gave me the flexibility to be a pastor and because it was on my own time. I was self-employed in that. And I did that for about 10 years. Uh, and about eight of those years, maybe nine of those years, I sat on a couch and did that, right? And we finally got me a desk after about nine years. And so it was a little late in coming. But, um, but you know, I was fine. I mean, there's, I had customers I worked with for years, never met them in person, never talked to them on the phone, just email, hey, do this, here you go, right? And they'd send me big checks and I'd send them stuff, you know, and... Um, I'm good. I mean, you know, now my wife, you know, if uh, uh, if it's an hour, she'll start talking to dog and cat. You know, I need to, I need to talk to somebody. Right. Uh, and and now neither one's wrong. Right. That's her personality. That's my personality. You know, I'm fine. Right. And in which is kind of funny because uh, the Lord wants me to be a pastor. Well, you know, pastors, you can't just lock yourself. You know, now, if you're a traveling minister, lock yourself away. Right. Uh, you can't be a, you can't really be a pastor and be that way. And so. You know, this, uh, but long before I was a pastor, the Lord started dealing with me about who I am, right? Uh, and this, this, these verses are really what helped me. And one of the things the Lord showed me about when, when just talking to people, which is really uh, about being sincere, is just care. You know, I, because, you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know how to have conversations with people, 
But if I care about people, it's easy, right? Because then I care about, you know, I care about you. You know, what do you do? You know, what do you do for a living? You know, what's the name of your dog? But I'm not going to ask what's the name of your dog unless I really care what the name of your dog is. Because some people ask, they don't really care. Because you say, well, my dog's name is Fred. And they, they go, well, you know, it's hers blue outside. You know, I mean, they, they don't, they, you know, they ask you a question, but they don't really mean for an answer, right? And, 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 and I'm not trying to fuss at anybody. I'm not saying anybody's done this. You know, I'm not, well, he's been thinking about me, right? I'm not thinking about nobody. I'm just telling you what the Lord, the path the Lord has given to me, right? So he started dealing with me, you know, when you talk to people, care, care about, care about that. Because that's being sincere, right? That's being without hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, the, the, the word hypocrisy uh, means to speak from behind a mask. So you're saying words, but, you know, you don't really care what they say. You know, you're just going to say, because I'm supposed to say these words. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to say, hi, how are you doing, right? I hope you have a great day. You really mean that? Well, not really. I'll just, but I'm saying that because that's what I'm supposed to say, right? See, that's, that's not being sincere. That's being, uh, well, the word unfeigned means sincere. So feigned means uh, being insincere, right? And so I just wanted to go through a couple of verses here because these verses really helped me to get to a point where, you know, when I talk to people, I want to be genuine with them. I don't be that fake Christian because, you know, that we're trained to be fake Christians, right? Not, there's no class for it, but, you know, we all know what it means. You shake, you kind of talk, tilt your head, you wink your eyeball a little bit, you know, and, and you, how you doing? And then you smile a little bit and you go on, right? And, you know, you, you didn't hear a single thing they said. Uh, and, and that's not the way the Lord Jesus was, right? And, and look, I'm a minister. I hang out with ministers all the time, go to ministers conferences, and it's rare that I find a sincere minister, right? Uh, now, I'm not mad at nobody. I'm not judging anybody, but, you know, I can count uh, on a hand that people that I really consider sincere, right? I've got a great friend of mine. He's a Vietnam vet, pastor down in Georgia. He's just, a, he's super sincere, right? Now, he'll tell you like it is, right? Yeah, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, you know? Uh, but uh, but and it's, when he says it, he's sincere, right? It is the stupidest thing he's ever heard. So if he ever says it, he really means it, so... Uh, so here in where we are, we're supposed to be in Second Corinthians, right? Second Corinthians chapter six. He says in verse four, but in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience and affliction and necessities and distresses and stripes and in prisons and um, uh, tumults and labors and watchings and fastings by pureness of knowledge, by long suffering, by con- kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. Right. That word unfeigned is also translated as sincere, sincere love. Right. Uh, and uh, and that's that word love. There is the agape love. Right. So that goes back with the prayer that Paul prayed in the Philippians chapter one, that you would superbound in that same love. So one of the one of the aspects and, and the fruit of walking in love is that you are a sincere person. Right. That, that you're without hypocrisy, uh, that when you say something that you really mean it, you're genuine. Right. Uh, and. You know, I don't want to belabor the point, but for me personally, this, is, this has been such a blessing in my life to, to learn how to be this way because I never want to be that fake person that, that you know, when I say, how you doing? You know, you don't, really, you don't really want to know how I'm doing, right? Well, if I, if I say that, I really do want to know how you're doing, right? And so, so that, but don't, well, he didn't ask me how I'm doing, so he must not care. It's not, you know, don't judge me that way either, right? Just because I didn't ask you how you're doing, you know, uh, doesn't mean I don't care either. It just, you know, uh, so, uh, but if I do ask you, I, I you know, I want to know, right? I, I really, I really care in that case, right? Because you said that, that um, in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. So, so we're all ministers of God in one sense, right? We all have the ministry of reconciliation, right? We all have the ministry that we tell the world that they're reconciled to God. So all of us are ministers, not all of us are pulpit ministers, but all of us are ministers in that sense. And so, uh, and he goes through a great list there, right? And much, much patience and afflictions and necessities and distresses. And he goes down to verse 6. By pureness, by l- knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love that's sincere. Uh, and so this is how Paul approved himself as a minister, right? And this is how you can approve yourself as, as a minister in this earth. Uh, it is learning how to, to use the love of God to when you actually be around people that you're sincere with them, right? And not that fakey Christian, you know, I'm supposed to say these things, supposed to be nice, you know. Uh, you know, my goal in life, uh, one of my personal goals in life, because if you go over to Acts chapter uh, 20, in fact, we'll go over it real quick there, Acts chapter 20. Um, Paul was there at Ephesus, right? And, he, and he's leaving the, the uh, friends there at Ephesus there on the shore, 
It's going, and he said, this is the last time I'm going to see you. And so, you know, they're crying. He's crying. Everybody's crying. Uh, and so uh, he said um, <clears throat> in verse uh, 22, this is Acts chapter 20, verse 22, he says, And now, behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witness uh, in every city, saying that bonds and affliction abide me. But none of these things move me, neither I count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Uh, and so he said that uh, he wants to finish his course with joy and the ministry. So, so he was talking about um, uh, that his natural life, you know, his personal life was more important. He put that first before his ministry. Uh, and really, even in the ministry, you know, you should always put your personal life first, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the goals that I have in my life is, is good or bad, I want to be the exact same person I am at church as I am at home. Uh, you know, as a pastor, I've heard of so many stories where pastors are, are, you know, they come and they're so happy and they're smiling and shaking hands and, you know, kissing babies and all that stuff. But then they're mean to their wife at home, right? They're disrespectful to their dog at home, right? You remember the story of Jesse Plantis, the Lord told him to repent to his dog because he was mean to his dog, right? Uh, and, and um, you know, of course, he got to tell a story, right? So he didn't repent because uh, uh, he was mean to his dog. I'm not mean to him. I got a pretty good dog, you know, so... Uh, his name is Clark, if you, if you didn't know, right? Uh, he's above average dog, I think. But, uh, but um, you know, I, I want to be this, the same person, my personal life, I want to be the same person I am when I'm talking to you at church as if I see you at Walmart, I see you at my house, see you when I'm, you know, mowing the yard. You know, I don't want you to come to my house and I'm kicking the dog and screaming at the kids and yelling at my wife and, you know, punching holes in, a, in the wall. And, uh, you know, there, there are ministries who do that, right? Uh, there are ministers and I have met uh, uh, in fact I, you know, I'm not going to name any names but one minister in particular I, I told him I said you know you've not, you've not respected your wife the way you should have because um, I was there many times when his children would disrespect his wife in front of him and he wouldn't call them out uh, and there's no way I'd put up my kids ever disrespecting my wife you know in my presence right you know some things, things happen and they've got to be dealt with later on but, but especially growing up you know they, they would never disrespect uh, my wife there, and, and he would let him do that. And he would kind of join in with him sometimes too, right? And, 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 but then he'd come to church and talk about how you're supposed to love your wife, right? I mean, First Peter chapter 3 says you're supposed to uh, treat him with honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, lest your prayers be hindered, right? He, just how you treat your wife can affect your prayer life. Now, I didn't write it. That's what Peter said, right? And, and uh, I, I've used that verse since the day I got married. Uh, it, it puts a lot of... Uh, uh, pulls a lot of kinks out of my life, right? You know, well, I just treat my wife bad. You know, well, you can if you want to, but then you don't get your prayers answered the way you want them to get prayer answered, right? Uh, and so, so if we're sincere, right, without hypocrisy, we should do that all the time, right? We should do that in church. We should do that uh, outside of church. You know, everywhere you go, we should be the same person, right? And I don't mean we should, we should strive to be fake everywhere we go, right? You know, hey, how you doing, you know? Uh, we, we should be sincere. And Paul said the way you do that is by superabounding in love, right? And so, uh, and he said that, that, his, uh, that his ministry was going to be uh, approved uh, by love that's, that's sincere. Uh, and so, uh, so the question for us is, can we live that way? Mm. Well, sure we can live that way, because he said we can live that way, right? Uh, and so let's turn over to uh, for First Timothy. So we'll just run through some Bible references and um, and, you know, for me personally, if you never get this, this has always been a blessing to my life. You know, this whole this whole discussion about sincerity. So I'm preaching to myself again because this is a great uh, uh, refreshment for me to go back through these verses again. Uh, but he said in First uh, Timothy, chapter one. Uh, verse five is now the end of the commandment is charity. Uh, the word that word charity is love or the agape love out of a pure heart and, a, and of a good conscience and a faith unfeigned, sincere faith. Uh, and again, so you see how the love of God is wrapped up in this, this concept of being sincere, right? The true love of God, the real love of God, the agape love that's shed abroad in your hearts will produce in your life sincerity so that when you, when you and, and you know, you, uh, we all know it, right? Now, none of us call each other on it, but we all know when somebody's sincere, right? When somebody says, you know, how you doing, you know? 
Uh, or so somebody says, man, I love that shirt. And you know, you lie. You don't like this shirt. You know, you, I heard you tell me over there, you don't hate that shirt, you know. But you come over and tell me you like the shirt, but you go over to tell them, guy, why do you wear that shirt? The ugliest shirt in the world, you know. Uh, you know, you know you never, of course, none of us have been that. We know other people that are that way, right? We've never done that. But everybody else has done that to us, right? So, you know, that's not sincere, right? I, I mean, really, if you don't like the shirt, just don't say nothing about it. I mean, you, know, you don't have to go and go, because some people, I've got to speak the truth. Well, it, speak the truth how? In love, right? So any love and saying, that's the ugliest shirt in the world I've ever seen. How, did that help them? Did that, did that help anybody, right? Did they ask you? Now, if they ask your opinion, right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago, right? Did they ask your opinion? Well, you got to tell them, right? But you don't have to just rip the bandit off, you know. Uh, but, you know, I had a friend of mine uh, years ago. We'd just gone to Taco Bell, you know, great lunch there. And so you need to go to Taco Bell, and you probably need to eat your breath mint after you eat Taco Bell, right? Well, I didn't have a breath mint, you know. And so my friend goes, man, your breath smells bad, you know. Uh, and and um, and so, you know, he didn't do anything about it, you know, and, and then we, you know, uh, and so I took a step back from, you know, I didn't want to, you know, uh, really hurt his feelings or anything. But uh, after a few minutes, he goes, man, your breath really smells bad. You know, I said, well, you got a breath mint? He said, well, no. I said, why are you saying that? You know, I mean, if you got nothing to help me, just tell me I got a stinky breath and you got no breath mints, you know, then then you're not helping. Right. So you just you're just criticizing, you know. And so, uh, you know, from that time, I carry these little high octane, you know, these things will clear out your sinuses, you know, and I mean, you know. You got to be a pastor. You got to have some of these, right? And if you ever notice, I slip my hand in my pocket before prayer line. That's what I'm doing. You know, where I'm making sure nobody falls out from other reasons other than the spirit, right? Uh, and so, we, if you fall out, fine. But we don't want you to fall out because of my breath. And so, uh, but see, he didn't help me, right? He just criticized. So that's not sincere, right? And so, if he got nothing to help somebody, right? I mean, say, hey, here's a nice shirt. You know, oh, man, that's great. You know. Of course, sometimes, you know, you take the hands like, oh, you give me a shirt. You don't like my shirt there, right? Well, if he didn't say he didn't like your shirt, don't add to it, right? Well, he must not like my clothes, right? Uh, which my clothes aren't good enough for you? Uh, you know, that's what the Bible calls a brawler. You ever, you know, you ever try to help somebody? You go, hey, you know, here's a brand new brush. Oh, you don't like the way I comb my hair? I just I had an extra brush, right? I just, you know, I just, you know, I didn't say nothing about your hair. I just, you know, I thought you might like this hairbrush. And uh, some people, they just fight about everything, right? And, oh, you don't like that. You know, some people, it's hard to be a blessing to because no matter what you do, they're suspicious of your motives, right? But see, sincere people, you know, your motives are always empowered by the agape love of God, right? So when you go to help somebody, there's no ulterior motives, right? You just go to help somebody to be a blessing. Uh, you know, people that, that, that help you, but they've got strings attached. Mm-hmm. Let's see, that's not sincere, right? That, that's that's, that's, hip, that's hip, uh, hypocritical, right? You're saying, I want to help you, but really what you're saying is, I want you to give me stuff, right? I want you to, I want you to do something for me. Uh, you know, I remember years ago, back before I had a truck, I learned, you know, you got to buy your own truck, right? But now, you know, and I don't have a bumper sticker on my truck that says, yes, this is my truck. No, you can't borrow it, right? Because, you know, when you got a truck, people want to borrow your truck, right? Uh, and so, but before I had a truck, uh, I called a friend of mine, you know, uh, I mean, we, we weren't best of friends, but, you know, we went to church together. Hey, you know, I'm going to be working on my deck on Saturday. Can I borrow your truck? You know, go down to the store, buy stuff, you know, fix my deck. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 no problem. Well, he pulls up on Saturday. He goes, hey, you know, I've got my two young kids here. You mind watching them? You know, uh, and, and uh, you know, I'm going to be gone for a bit, you know, and I'll come back, you know. Okay, you know, fine. But uh, was that part of the deal? I don't remember, you know, babysitting was part of the deal, right? And I mean, they're young, right? One one's like four or five years old. and was six or seven years old. And. Yeah, and I didn't have kids. See, we have kids at the time. We were in Christmas Lane, so um, I don't think we had kids that day. Because this was my work day, right? I had it all planned out. You know, wife's going to be out. Whether I'm going to work on this deck and get it fixed, and and he comes with the kids. And so I'm like, well, I can't. You know, I don't really feel comfortable. You know, they don't have a. You know, there's no kid seat in the truck there. I don't really feel comfortable driving them with me to the to the hardware store. You know, picking up stuff that I need. And I mean, they're not my kids. And uh, and. Um, so well, I'll just wait till he gets back, right? He gets back at five o'clock. <laughs> so that's the whole day, right? I mean, he dropped them off like at like at 10 o'clock, you know? So he never said for seven hours or so, can you watch my kids, right? That wasn't, uh, uh, now, I didn't, that wasn't not a part of the deal, but I, you know, I mean, uh, but see, for him, me borrowing his truck was, I, I owe him that I have to watch his kids now, right? Mm-hmm. That's not sincere, right? I mean, that, that, that's, that's with offense. That is with offense, right? I wasn't mad at him, you know, but it's a good story. Uh, and so I just kind of made a note to myself. This is not somebody I can borrow things from because there's strings attached, right? The, 
He may say, yes, I'd be glad to let you borrow it. But he's thinking, now you owe me, right? But see, I always lived, if, if I do something from you, you don't owe me anything. And I live that way to, to, the other way, too. So if you do something for me, I don't owe you anything. Now, people don't like that. But, I mean, if you're really doing something for me, isn't that a blessing, right? I mean, uh, and, and I always tell my wife, if, if it's given to us, once it comes in our four walls, we can do whatever we want to. We can burn it, bury it in the backyard, sell it, you know, use it. I mean, if it belongs to us, right? Now, some people are like, you got to give it back. Well, I thought you gave it to me, right? Isn't it the deal? If I give something to you, burn it. I don't care, you know, bury it in the backyard, sell it on eBay. I mean, you know. Uh, if I really gave it to you, that to me, when I give it to you, it's no longer mine. I have no, no opinion on it. Well, do you care what I do with it? No. Well, what if I go burn it? I mean, you know, it's yours. You do whatever you want to with it. And so, because anything else is insincere. So if I give you something, uh, but I expect something in return, see, that's not sincere, right? That's not, that, that, that's not, uh, uh, that, that's hypocritical, right? That, that's not. Well, I want to give it to you, but I don't really want to give it to you. I want to give it to you so that you now owe me. Uh, and so, so, uh, so Paul even said that even faith can be sincere. Right? When you believe in God, that it, that it can be sincere, right? There's no hypocrisy, right? That, that you're, not, uh, you're not just doing things just to get stuff from God. You're, doing, you're believing God because he wants us to believe him, right? There's no strings attached between, between you and the Lord. But again, he wraps this up uh, with... with uh, uh, in, in the agape love of God, right? And one translation says, faith which is not assumed but is real. It's a real faith, right? So, so not fake faith, right? Uh, and, 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 you know, in, in the charismatic world, you know, we're kind of required by law to have faith, right? Well, you've got to have big faith, right? You've got to live in a big mansion and have big cars and, you know, all these things, right? Have real faith. But then there, people were under so much pressure then they had fake faith, right? Uh, and I, there's so, so many stories where people go, go buy the biggest house in town because, well, that's what faith does. You've got to buy the biggest house, right? And now they can't afford the payments. They can't afford furniture, right? And can't afford a car because they've got to have this fake faith. And, uh, and we in the church pressure people to do that, right? We pressure you. You've got to be prosperous. And I don't know, prosperity is a valid and a real uh, doctrine and, and, is, and it's true. But, but you know, you've got to find your path in that, right? Uh, because prosperity for one person may not be the same as prosperity for somebody else. Some people's prosperity is having food every day. You go to, you know, outside the United States and somebody eats, eats real food every day, three times a day, is prosperous. Uh, you know, uh, you get in the United States, unless you have the biggest house in town, you're not prosperous. And, uh, and so, uh, but, uh, so there's no, I don't have a limit. I don't say, well, this is prosperous. That's not prosperous. That's not the, the point of the, the, the deal. The, the point of the deal is, is, don't fake your faith, right? Don't, don't, uh, well, I don't take any medication, right? Well, are you going to survive? Well, I don't know, you know. I mean, if the Lord tells you not to take your medication, you know, then you're going to live by faith in that, then fine, right? But don't, don't say, well, they didn't take their medication. So, and of course, we talk a lot about that in healing school. So we don't, we're not going to go back all over that again. But a lot of the times, especially in the charismatic Pentecostal world, we pressure people to live by faith, right? Uh, and then uh, because they're under so much pressure, they will kind of fake faith and have the appearance of faith without it being real, right? It's faith that's assumed, right? That, well, if I have this, this appearance of faith, then that's the same thing as faith. Well, that's not the same thing, right? Uh, and, you know, I told you the story where, where Lester Sumrall had a friend of his, uh, and he'd had a heart disease or something, and... and um, he didn't go to, to Lester Summerall's church, but he knew of him. and He was good friends with him. And he said that an evangelist had come to, his, to the church that his friend went to and preached from the pulpit that if, if you take medication, you're in sin. It's not faith. You, you mean you can't take a pill by faith? You can't take a pill that, Lord, this is going to do exactly what it's supposed to do, nothing else, right? Because uh, is that not possible? Surely it's possible, right? That you can take a pill by faith, right? And say, Lord, this is going to do... Now, is it the best faith? I mean, the best faith is you could live without medication, but faith is faith, right? You can have little faith, big faith. The Bible talks about many measures of faith, sizes of faith, right? So find out wherever your faith is and live there and, and desire for it to grow. But wherever your faith is, be there. Uh, and so this fellow got under pressure and stopped taking his medication. Well, he died. And Lester, you know, Lester was one to not mix words. He, you know, he, you know, he got all mad at that evangelist. If I was there, I'd have tell, give him what for, you know, and, uh, and Lester would, right? He, he usually names names. He didn't name that fellow's name, that evangelist's name. 
He may not have known it, but he usually say, yeah, it was, it was Bob Smith, you know. He's a terrible evangelist, and don't ever listen to him. Uh, uh, and so I don't know sure that I could do that, but, <clears throat> but uh, see, we, we put people under pressure in the church to fake faith, to have faith that's only assumed but not real. Uh, and, and again, it, just like with the other ones, it's wrapped up in, in love, right? So see, if you walk in love of God, then you have real faith, right? And, and you'll know if it's real faith, and you won't be under pressure because of the love of God in you. You won't be under pressure to fake it, right? You won't be under pressure, well, you know, I don't have to have the biggest car. You know, I can have whatever car I want. You know, if, if it's a used car, you know, if it's, a, if it's an old car, it's my car. I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to believe God for. And none of your business if I believe, you know, I don't have to have uh, an $80,000 car. Now, I don't got no, you got to, uh, you, you want to have an $80,000 car? I got no problem with it. You know, no, fine with me, right? I mean, I, I'm all for it. Got no problem with it at all. But I'm, what I'm for is for you to have real faith, wherever you are, Right. If you, if you got Volkswagen faith, praise God. You know, and I'm not picking on anybody. You know, if you got you know a '69 Volkswagen faith, right? How about that '69 Beetle Volkswagen? You know, didn't you have a, a Beetle Volkswagen? Yes, you had Beetle Volkswagen, right? So at one time she had Beetle Volkswagen faith, right? Uh, and now and look, that might have been big faith, you know, uh, for somebody in 1969, right? Uh, and so, 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 and we shouldn't be judging each other for where our faith is, right? Oh, you only got this much faith, you know. Well, aren't you precious, right? Aren't you special? Uh, go read Romans chapter 14. You'll find out you shouldn't be judging each other about their faith, right? But whatever faith you have, Paul said he wants it to be sincere without to be real, right? And again, just like with Philippians, it's wrapped up in love, right? It's wrapped up in the love of God. Uh, and so uh, develop your love walk, and that'll help you develop your faith walk, right? You develop your love walk, uh, then you could develop uh, uh, your approval as a minister, right? Uh, and then uh, uh, we're about out of time. Let's, let's just turn over to Romans chapter 12. Uh, and so he said here in Romans chapter 12, um, uh, in, verse, uh, uh, in verse 9, he said, let love, uh, that word love there is agape, so the God kind of love. Uh, he said, uh, let love be without dissimulation. When was the last time you used the word dissimulation in a sentence? Right? Uh, probably never, right? Uh, that's the, that's the uh, King James word. Well, that, king, that word there was also translated as sincerity. In the other verse that we looked at, it's the same Greek word there. And so let your love be sincere, right? Without hypocrisy. Uh, and so again, all of these things are wrapped up together, right? That love... His desire is that when we really are love, walking in love with each other, that it's sincere. That it's not pretentious. It's not fake. It's not the kind of the church attitude. You know, you know the, the ch- that whole church thing, it's really very unique to the church world, right? It's the Christian world where, where we have this kind of a fake smile, you know, not really sincere. We don't really want to know how you're doing. You know, it's really unique to, to the church. And it's an unfortunate thing, I think, because, you know, people, real people need you to be real with them. Right. Uh, They don't need you to be fake with them. They need you to be real with them. Uh, And so. So he said, uh, so he he talked about um, uh, twice, in fact, here. Right. We we read that in Second Corinthians, chapter six, that love unfeigned here uh, in First Timothy was faith unfeigned. Uh, And again, here. uh, He said that love uh, that's sincere also. Right. Without without insincerity is what dissimulation means uh, or uh, or feigned faith. Uh, and of course, he went goes on and says, "Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good." Uh, but uh, so, in all of those things, you know, this this whole thing about being sincere, uh, the, the Lord has worked on me for many years for for this. You know, I'm, I'm really just for my personal life, just really aware of when I'm talking with people, when I'm when I'm just fellowshipping with people, just to be real, right? Uh, and, and, you know, now when some people say to be real, they mean, you know, be crude and rude and tell dirty jokes. And that's not any more real than being fake. Right. Uh, being real is just, you know, whatever's in your heart should be uh, visible to people. Right. And of course, some people, they live that way because they got terrible hearts. And, you know, and, and I, I, I do think that sometimes it's easier to, for the Lord to work with us uh, if we're not lying. Right. Uh, you know, because if, if you say, oh, I love that shirt, but you're lying. Right. Uh, and uh, it's really hard for the Lord to fix that because lying, uh, what does the Bible say about lies? Who's the father of all lies? 
Satan said, the father of all lies, right? So if you're, if you're lying, who, who are you acting the most like? You're acting like to Satan, right? I mean, I didn't write it. Uh, Jesus said those words, right? That he's the father of lies. Uh, and, and it's really hard for the Lord to fix that, right? Uh, but, you know, if you go, man, that's the ugliest shirt I've ever seen, and, and you're, you're, you're sincere and honest about it, even though it's, it's unkind, you know, the Lord can sometimes work more of that, you know. Now, you shouldn't do that, I don't, you know. But uh, at least whatever you are, because, because if, if, if you're exposing who you are, then the Lord can change that, because the root of our problems are always our condition of our heart, right? Uh, and some people, you know, they hide all these things in their heart about who they really are and only and fake everything on the outside. Well, that's living a life that's insincere, right? A living a life that's hip- hypocritical. And you should desire that whatever is in your heart is what you should be able to expose to people. That's sincerity, right? Uh, because remember what Jesus said, that, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? Speak. So, so. You know, back in the 80s, when we had the confession police, you weren't allowed to say things like, well, I'm, you know, I'm sick. Oh, don't say that, brother. Well, I mean, you know, you're just telling the truth there, right? Uh, and so, um, but then, you know, a lot of times what will happen is, uh, you know, people will say things, well, I didn't mean to say that. It's not really technically true. I mean, you know, maybe it could be true, but a lot of times you wished you hadn't said it. You know, you meant it, but you wished you hadn't said it because now all the conflict that ensued from that. But, but really, so the issue is the condition of your heart, right? So work on what's, what's in your heart and the love that's in your heart, right? The unfeigned love that's in your heart, the sincere love that's in your heart. So that when you say something, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So when you say, you know, I hope you have a great day. You know, we all can tell when people mean that, right? Uh, and we can tell when people are just being polite, you know, and they're not being insincere, they're just being polite, and, you know, uh, then that's fine. But then we know, we do also know when people say that, you don't mean that a bit, do you? Well, no, I, you know, I kind of hope you, your, all your tires explode and your car gets, you know, your uh, run over or whatever. But, I mean, you know, uh, but, but so, you know, that's kind of hard to fix, right, if you're lying all the time, you know. Um, uh, and so, uh, so we should work on it. The only way to do that is to work on the unfeigned love, the, the love of God, right? And all these verses kept wrapping up the love of God around them, right? And so if we get the love of God in our hearts and, we, and we're yielding to that love, see, then that love comes out and we're sincere, right? Now, now some people, their personalities are just kind of sappy, you know, and, and that's fine, right? I mean, I, you know, that's, I, I, I got some friends of mine, they're just the, the nicest people. They, were, they came out of the womb and said, thank you, doctor, I appreciate you so much for birthing me out of my mother. Some, some people just that way, right? And that's fine, because they're sincere, right? If that's who they are, that's not me, but that's who, that's who they are, right? And I'm not going to think less of them for that. I'm glad they're that way, and, but I think we need everybody, right? I think, you know, I've got a friend of mine, you know, uh, that, uh, man, I mean, if you've got a hair out of place, he goes, hey, fix your hair, right? What's wrong with you? Uh, in, in fact, um, you know, my friend Jerry Allen, you know, one, years ago, uh, I was at home, uh, and we'll go, but years ago, uh, I was sick, and I'm rarely sick, right? I mean, I haven't been sick in years, uh, and so, uh, but I was sick. I'm, I was missing work. You know, I've been out of work for like three days, and, and I could like stand up, and I get dizzy, and I have to go lay down, and, and so he comes by my house, right, because we lived in the same neighborhood. He comes by my house, and he stands at the doorway. Don't even come in, right? I mean, you know, man of great faith, he doesn't even come in. Maybe he's afraid, of, and he's probably listening. This is on you, Jerry, because uh, he listens every Wednesday night. He lives over in Putnam County, uh, but he stands at the doorway there where I'm in bed, and he goes, wow, I've never seen you like that before. And he walks away. Didn't even pray for me. Didn't even sling a prayer or nothing at me. And, you know, didn't he say, oh, you know, praise God, you're going to get over it. No, no, no. Wow, I've never seen you that way. Well, the, you know, some people, you need, you need a Jerry in your life every now and then, right? Because he said that, I thought, you know, you're right. You know, bless God, I'm going to overcome this, right? So I got up, and by faith, you know, I'm going to overcome this. And I had no business driving. I have no idea how I got to work. I probably got translated because I shouldn't have been on the road driving, but... I got to work and, and I sat at my desk and in 10 minutes, all that just evaporated. I'm, whatever that was just evaporated on my life because I bless God, I'm going to by faith overcome this. And, and I did, you know, and I, by faith, it wasn't just, you know, by pretense, uh, Lord, I'm going to overcome this and it's not going to control my life. And I don't know what the cause of it was, you know, don't really care. Uh, but, you know, uh, so you need, we need each other, right? We need, the, we need the ones that are sincerely just the nicest people because they, they encourage me to be better. We need the Jerry Allen's to just rip the Band-Aid off, you know. Uh, and, and now, he wouldn't do that necessarily to everybody, but, you know, we've known each other for many years. And, uh, and, um, and I'd say the same thing. Hey, wow, Jerry, you need to straighten up, right? Uh, and so, uh, so we need each other, right? But it needs to be sincere. What it needs to be comes from the heart, right? The unfeigned love, the love of God. 
And Paul prayed this for us. And if he prayed this for us, then we can have this. We can live this way, right? We can be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, all the way, all the days of our lives, we can live this way. Uh, and that's my desire. That for me personally, you know, this is not the ministry, not the church. This is for, me, for the person that I am as a Christian, as a child of God, I want to be sincere. I want to be honest and without hypocrisy, that if I say something, I really mean it. You know, man, you look nice, you know. And I'm thinking, well, I'm, they really didn't, but, you know. Uh, and so, but again, don't read anything. You know, he didn't say I look nice. Do I look bad? There's, you know, don't, don't get vain imaginations either, right? So, so let's pray and we'll thank the Lord for the word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you that if you pray this prayer for us, if Paul prayed this prayer for us, then we can live a life, Father, that's sincere and without offense all the days of our lives, Father. And so, Lord, if, if we can have that and we choose to live that, we, we thank you we can have that. And, and so, Father, we ask you for our individual lives. Show us where, where we have not been sincere, when we haven't spoken from what's actually in our hearts, Father. We've only spoken by the pretense of what we're supposed to act like as church members and as Christians. Father, we want to be just like you. You were sincere when you said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's exactly what you meant, Father. You weren't saying well done, even though they weren't well done. If, they, if you said well done, then that's exactly and only what you meant, Father. And so, Lord, we desire to be like you, to talk like you, to walk like you, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We want to be the same person in church, out of church, everywhere we are, we want to live our lives of whatever's in our hearts, Father. And so show us, Father, areas that we can improve. And as you do that, uh, with, all, with all sincerity, as humble servants of you, Father, we will change to be more like you, to look more like you, to talk more like you, to be sincere as you were. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good. Amen. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And um, just a couple of announcements. So um, next time I see you, be the next next year, right? A whole year from now. So uh, that'll be Sunday, right? Uh, and um, um, let's see, we got a work day coming up, right? So uh, not this Saturday, but next Saturday. So the, the first Saturday, yeah, the first Saturday, no, the second Saturday, eighth, right? 8th of January, a week and a half from now, January the 8th, January the 8th right, so what time, 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, so 10 o'clock, uh, uh, January the 8th, uh, we're going to take all the church, de- all the Christmas decorations down, uh, and so if you've got some time uh, to help us, we can usually get it done in an hour, but we've got to take the nativity scene down and go pack it up in the warehouse, and so we just do all that, get it all back up to uh, regular stuff here in the church there, so if you've got some time, on that Saturday, uh, uh, we'd love you to come out and help us there. And um, oh, that's the only other thing, right? Prayer is at 7. Okay, so a week and a half or so is prayer service on Friday night at 7 p.m. And then a Saturday after that is uh, the work day. And then a Sunday after that is church meal, yes. right? Okay, all right. So 7th, 8th, and 9th, we've got stuff going on. So... And they're on the announcements, too, so, uh, and you'll see them again on Sunday. So uh, we'll come ahead, Mr. Jared, and uh, who, who wants to make the uh, uh, dessert for the fire department, right? We, know, we always make a dessert for the fire department, and um, uh, you're going to do it? All right, so, so we bribe them, right? We go over there and take a, a, a cake or something to them uh, and really just thank them for, the, for their service. And, um, and we were going to do that for the police department, but they closed. They're not. They're actually closed on Sunday, which is kind of. I always thought it was funny, right? Police department's closed on Sunday, but uh, they actually are there. But they locked the office there. You can't walk in there. So, um, any other announcements? We good? All right. So we'll see you in 2022, right? Sunday morning. All right. We'll be blessed. We'll see you then, right?